Welcome to the Self-Publishing School Podcast. This is the podcast to listen to if you're an aspiring writer or an author who wants to be more successful. On this show, you'll learn how to write and launch a book successfully, all from the top authors and people just like you who are doing it at the highest level. I'm your host, Chandler Volt, the founder of Self-Publishing School, the author of the book called Published, and the CEO of selfpublishing.com. For free training on how to publish a book that sells 10,000 copies, go to selfpublishing.com forward slash free training. Hey, Chandler Bolt here, and joining me today is Leif Babin. Uh, Leif Babin, he's a decorated former Navy SEAL. Uh, he's the co-author of the number one New York Times best-selling book, uh, Extreme Ownership. Uh, now, I'm, I'm going to bog down here for a second, but this is, I think, one of the best leadership books of all time. I've read at least 50 maybe closer to 100 plus leadership books. I'm obsessed with leadership. Uh, and I, so you, you might see this. Um, I've got a video on the Seven Figure Principles podcast uh, or on the, on, in the YouTube channel about my top five best leadership books of all time. Uh, Extreme Ownership is one of those. Also, <laughs> we've done this as a book club at Self-Publishing School internally at least twice. It's on the list of books to buy for every new employee. Um, so we've, we've purchased a lot of copies of Extreme Ownership and Anytime someone asks for a leadership book recommendation, that's the first book that I recommend, Extreme Ownership. I think it's, again, one of the best books uh, of all time. Uh, so highly recommend getting it, buying it, reading it, whether you're a leader or CEO, it's a really great book. Uh, but, but Leif is also uh, the co-founder of Echelon Front, uh, where he serves as a leadership instructor, speaker, and executive coach. Uh, today, we're going to be talking about how uh, he launched one of the most successful books of all time, and really multiple books that have done really, really well in Extreme Ownership and the Dichotomy of Leadership. I've read both. Both are great. Uh, also about using a book uh, to grow a consulting business. Um, they've done an amazing job of that. Uh, and then lastly, uh, we'll, we'll talk a little, a little bit about working with a co-author. That's something we get questions about all the time. Like, how do you do that? Uh, and so I'm excited to dive in. Leif, really good to have you here. Great to be on with you, Chandler. Thank you for the kind words about extreme ownership. Uh, just happy to see that those lessons are, are being implemented and, and uh, helping you and your team do better as as well as other leaders in whatever industry they may be in. Awesome. I appreciate that. And I'm not just saying it, it, it really, it's, it's like for me, it's on the yearly, yearly or maybe every other year uh, reread list. <laughs> it's just uh, good, good to come back to. Well, you might be surprised that it's on there for me as well. And, and you know, we, we do a lot of work. It's, it's, it's interesting how we'll kind of drift off. We'll say some things, talking about a topic, diving, you know, deeply into that. And of course, the challenge is always how do you, in the most simple, clear, concise terms, describe you know the, the topic you're trying to discuss, and oftentimes I will go back to the book and realize that we did that you know in in a way just through the editing process, uh, you know in, in a way that, that we maybe drifted off of, and we need to get back to that particular yeah. book, most simple, clear, concise way to, to say that. Hundred percent. It's, it's funny how that works. I feel like you know a book does that, and then sometimes you, you know if you're working day to day in the trenches with companies, consulting, all that's just like you can you can try to reinvent it, but then you realize I already said this, and I said this better than I'm saying this right now, so I can just point people back to this, and I myself can go back to that uh, and and kind of use that as a tool. So uh, I'd love to dive in. Like, what? Why did you guys decide to write this book, and, and how did that process go? And and specifically starting with extreme ownership. Well, Jocko and I, as you know, we, we both served together in, in what's now called the Battle of Ramadi in 2006. And, and it was just some, some really difficult and violent uh, combat operations. And we got a chance to, to serve in operations that were, you know, we say sustained combat operations that day in, day out, almost every single day going out on, on, on different, different combat missions. And those were incredibly humbling. We learned some tremendous, tremendously humbling lessons learned frankly, and, and we, we got a chance to come back from, uh, you know, that, those combat operations and then teach the next generation of SEALs. Jocko took over training for the West Coast SEAL teams that was training and preparing SEAL platoons and tasking us to deploy forward to places like Iraq and Afghanistan. I took over running the, what we call the junior officer training course, which was the, the training pipeline for every single SEAL officer that, uh, that graduated from, from our, our, our basic training program or BUDS, we call it. So we were trying to pass on the lessons learned. And, and so we had to try to crunch those lessons down in just a finite amount of time, pass those lessons on. And then as I left active duty in 2011, Jocko had retired uh, the previous year after 20 years. And I left at the 13 year mark. I, I, then I had to try to figure out what I was gonna do with my, my life. And, and I was gonna go back to school. I was on the verge of going to law school. 
And uh, frankly, I lost, I lost uh, some friends in a helicopter that got shot down August 6, 2011, uh, extortion 17, and uh, largest loss of life in a single incident uh, in the history of, of the SEAL teams. And uh, just a, a horrible, tragic incident that again reminded me of lessons that I already knew, which is life is really short. You got to do, do what you really love to do and what you want to do. And so uh, I realized law school is probably not something I, I should pursue. Um, but what I was passionate about was teaching leadership, was actually passing leadership lessons on. And uh, I called Jocko. We talked about uh, launching a company and we did that. And as we worked with different companies, uh, because he was already working with some companies, I, I, had, I had done some work with a few companies as well. And uh, we just saw the need for leadership training. We realized everything that we learned in combat applied directly to any team, any organization, in any situation. And so as we started working with companies uh, over the course of a few years, we, there was an increasing demand signal where people were asking us for a reference manual, write this stuff down. You know, is, is, there, is there something that we can have? And so we built a pretty extensive workbook that was a couple hundred pages long you know, that took forever to write. And I was, all, you know, I was writing it in Word and printing it out as a PDF. And, and finally, we said, we need to actually turn this into a book. There was a lot of SEAL books out there at the time, some by respected operators uh, who, who had served uh, and, and done some great things, some by not so respected operators who kind of gave all of us a bad name. So that really kind of encouraged us that we, we actually want to get the message out, the real leadership lessons learned from actual SEALs who could speak about this in, in a humble manner uh, and reflect well upon the SEAL teams and pass these lessons on to others. And so that's, that's what really prompted us to write the book. So we That's sat awesome. down, we started, uh, you know, we, we started putting this together. We put together a table of contents and a, you know, a, a little bit about who we were uh, and just some, some guidance around the book with a sample chapter. And I handed it to a, a, a pretty high level uh, uh, literary agent that I was, I happened to be friends with. And she said, I don't think so. Uh, you guys are about two or three years away, best case scenario from writing this. It's not good enough. You should go, go you know, work with an author. Um, and we said, you know, I, I kind of took that with a grain of salt. We always accept uh, constructive criticism. That's what extreme ownership's about. So we knew we had to keep working. We knew we had to keep writing it. Uh, but we, we knew we wanted to write it ourselves as well. And then we, then we, we handed it, uh, we kept working it. We finally found a literary agent that we could work with who, uh, and we, we, we shopped that, that proposal around to, I think the, the first five major publishers that we shopped it to said, no, thank you, uh, sent us out the door. And uh, we finally got, got in with St. Martin's Press uh, and talked to their leadership. They were believers in it. Um, you know, they were excited about it. Although they, you know, I think the first, you know, the first print run was extremely small. I don't think they had any expectation that it was going to be successful. So, uh, or certainly not in the way that it is now. Uh, so, but it was, uh, it, was, it was a long haul in getting that done. It was probably a two-year process, you know, to, to being successful and, and getting the book published. So to your process, and I, I want to go. I want to go into that first print run, and then when did it start taking off, and kind of all that stuff in just a second. But zoom in on the writing. So how how long did you say you guys had had the company before, and you had you know instruction manuals and stuff like that? But how long from then until you you started working on the book, or really until you we published launched? It? We launched our company. Uh, the first work we started doing with businesses was uh, toward the end of 2011, mm -hmm. and uh, we officially launched as a company, Echelon Front, in uh, early 2012. Uh, and then the, the, the book was uh, Extreme Ownership was eventually published uh, officially October 2015. I so you know, it gave us, it gave us a few years uh, of, uh, uh, of, of some you know, business, uh, business leadership experience and learning how you know, lessons that we learned applied. And, uh, but it, it, took, it, took, it took a little while, I think, for us to real, really realize. We, did, we didn't, frankly, didn't want to be the SEALs that were out there writing books. Totally. That wasn't our intention. Totally. Yeah. Uh, it's not something that we thought about. But we realized there was a real need for leadership. And as soon as we right. walk into a company and see some big frictions, you know, with, yeah. between teams that weren't actually working together, that weren't mutually supporting one another, we'd realize well, they, they need the concept of cover move. They need to understand this. Or, hey, people don't understand the mission. People aren't communicating in a manner that's civil, clear, concise, or they're not using decentralized command. They're waiting for a senior leader to make a decision and, and everyone's just waiting there. And then, of course, the concept of extreme ownership yeah. uh, oh, was, yeah. was just needed everywhere because people yeah. are making excuses, casting blame, you know, pointing fingers, and no one is actually solving problems uh, to, to, to move the team forward so that they can be successful and execute. So yeah. um, I, I think that's, uh, that's really what drove us to publish it was – I was seeing the, the, the need for this uh, and that it was applicable. It's also what drove us to persevere through people turning us down as well, because we yeah. knew that this was, this was needed. Yeah. 
And, and all those concepts, I mean, even prioritize and execute, there's no bad leaders, only bad teams, or sorry, no bad teams, only bad leaders, like all those, I feel like just come up d- daily, it's just such good frameworks. You talked about, it was important to write it yourself. Uh, why was that important? I know a lot of people, you're, 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 you know, growing this consulting company, a lot of people would say, I don't have time to do this, let's bring in a ghostwriter, this is not my skill set, like, why was it important to, to write it yourself and, and, and kind of a two-parter here? Also, how did you land on the framework? Because I feel like at least a lot of military and SEALs books that I've read are way more memoir-based. But I think the framework that you landed on was really solid, which is, okay, there's story, which illustrates the point, and then there's application to business. And I think not only did that probably make writing the book easier, um, but it also from a, from a readership perspective, like, I find myself, it's way easier to read. And even the, I mean, the audiobook is unbelievable. And I love how you have the sound effects, the explosions, all that stuff. Like that, that's a cool touch. But then it's like you, you find yourself listening for the next story. And then that keeps your attention through the application and then story and then keeps your attention. And it just like, I feel like it, it, it's woven together really well. So why was it important to write the book yourself? And then also how did you land on that process or kind of that, that framework for writing the book? Well, first of all, I appreciate that you like the sound effects. I, we actually had to fight very hard for sound effects. Jocko was not initially a believer in that. <laughs> I had to convince him that we needed to do that instead of us just making a you know boom, boom, boom noise with our 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 uh, you know verbally uh, to actually put some real gunfire sounds you know in That's there, great. machine guns or explosions. <laughs> Uh, and, and the publisher fought against that. You know, McMillan Audio was like, I don't know about that. If someone's listening to this in their car, they're going to get freaked out. And uh, we have had a, a few cases of that, uh, but it's, it's been minor. Um, and I, I, you know, that was, that was a good touch. You know, we just, I felt like that was the right call. We, we pushed for it. You know, the, the, the question you're asking, I think is a great one, Chandler. Um, we, frankly, I, I, had, uh, I had seen several friends of mine who had, we had served with, uh, that had basically sold their story to an author and, you know, had sat down and told the story to an author and expected that that story would get vetted, uh, you know, and, and really had less to do. I, once, once they sold the story, they lost control of it. And, uh, and, and so the way, you know, if you ever talk to uh, like, like Chris Kyle, for instance, who was, you know, American sniper, uh, Chris, Chris was our lead sniper point man and, and a close friend of mine. Um, and, uh, you know, someone who obviously we, we tragically lost, you know, 2013. Um, but he was, you know, if he was here today, I think he'd tell you that he, he was a lot different in person than, than how the book kind of portrayed him. Um, and, and how the movie portrayed him too, which so many people have, have read. I mean, same thing for Marcus Luttrell as well. I mean, if Marcus Luttrell and Chris were both humbled by difficult and dangerous combat operations and that doesn't come across necessarily with how the author wrote that there's a there's a lot of kind of chest beating bravado which is not those guys i mean it's different from 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 who they are because i know both of them very well um and uh you know mark's mark's a good good friend of mine as well so and those books were fantastic i mean they were great books um they really gave some insight and credit to you know the the, the seal teams uh but i just seen that you know i i'd seen that there was there's different. There's a difference once you give control of your story to someone else. We knew that these the lessons that Jocko and I wanted to write. We didn't want to write a memoir. We wanted to write something that talked about leadership lessons learned and gave application of those leadership lessons learned, so that people could take and implement them in, in their in their professional and personal lives. So we felt like we needed to write this thing. Uh, it was pretty daunting initially, because you know three I think of those first five publishers we talked to said we would never consider this unless you, you work with an author. Um, you know, basically they, they looked at me and thought, well, I, I probably can't write my name, much less uh, write a book, uh, which I can't blame them. I mean, I, we, we look like knuckle draggers. I get it. But uh, it, it's, uh, you know, we knew that we knew that we just needed, what we really needed was an editor. Uh, we knew that we could tell the story. Uh, Jocko was an honors English major. I mean, you wouldn't tell that by looking at it, but he's, he's, he's a good writer. Uh, and, and I think it became very valuable for us to edit each other's work, make sure that it was clear. Um, you know, I, every, everybody has a tendency to kind of overwrite. So be able to take that and, and just compress that down uh, was, was important. And, you know, the other thing too, is like, you're talking about the format of the book. I mean, when we first started that, the, the, the initial chapter uh, was, was in the third person because we were trying to say, okay, how do we write about, I'm writing about Jocko doing something 
but I'm describe I'm describing him, but but then if he's describing me, how do we do that? So we started with this kind of third person, uh, you know, description, and and it just didn't work. Um, and so we we quickly determined that we we needed to to kind of you know make sure that the the okay we got a combat story, we're going to illustrate a principle, we're going to talk about application of business. But even in every chapter, that wasn't clear. Like chapter twelve. Uh, the dichotomy of leadership of extreme ownership that wasn't quite the same. It wasn't super succinct. We initially didn't start out with kind of right in the action of a story for for the combat story. So all those things we kind of um, and and frankly the way how we got to that was we get we started writing and we gave the manuscript to to people to seek their feedback. And I gave it to some very successful business leaders uh, who I knew were kind of the target audience for, for this. Uh, my, my wife, Jenna, who was uh, on, on television for 10 years and is, is excellent at taking you know, a complex idea and making it very simple, um, gave, gave some great feedback. But several close friends of mine in the business world, I was living in New York City at the time, gave us some really critical feedback. Uh, and including there was, a, there was a writer at the Wall Street Journal who gave us, gave us some interesting insight of like, hey, I loved how you started this chapter. You know, if you started every chapter kind of in the action like that, it would be useful. So just, you know, that's one of the things I see people make a mistake uh, when they start writing is they want to have a complete product and then they want to publish it and then get, get people's feedback on it. You know, and, and, and the, the reality is it's going to take multiple iterations. I always, I always tell people this, if you want to write, don't even worry about your initial draft. I mean, you're, you're going to, you know, we, we probably have, I mean, I don't even know, probably, I don't know, somewhere between probably three and 5,000 man hours tied up in extreme ownership. I mean, it's it, easy. Uh, just that kind of iteration over two years of just rewriting and rewriting and editing and, and, and re-editing and re-editing. And, and, and it's, it's, it's hard to actually turn that off now because when I read the book, I'm like, oh, we could have said this better. Or, that was redundant or we should have taken this out. So it's hard to actually turn that off. But, but you're going to, you know, when you start doing this stuff, just start putting thoughts to paper and then you can take it and then you can organize it and then you can cut it down. Um, and, and that's generally what's going to happen is you're going to write something way longer than it needs to be. And you're going to cut that down to be able to say it more succinctly. Uh, but obviously we, we've learned a lot, you know, by the time we wrote Dichotomy of Leadership a few years later, uh, we, we were a lot better at writing this. And so it was easier to edit each other's stuff. Uh, it still required a lot of, a lot of time and effort. And that is one thing I, I think Jocko had initially considered maybe we should use a ghostwriter because I don't, you know, um, I don't know if we have enough time to put that in. I was vehemently against that. I fought hard against it. Uh, it was absolutely the right call. And I think Jocko certainly uh, agreed. Uh, and he came around to, to realize like, yes, we need to do this. But I will say it was a massive undertaking. Uh, and you can't underestimate that. You know, if had we been, there was no way that we could do what we're doing now with our, our consultancy, you know, Echelon Front, our leadership business that we run. Uh, and, and probably, I mean, it was a full-time job writing, writing extreme ownership for probably a good, like, 18 months. Yeah, that's awesome. So many great lessons in there. I love key, I, keying in on your rough draft is clearing your throat. <laughs> Editing is never done. It's about the iterations, the constant improvement, like all those things. Can we, I want to talk a little bit more about uh, the writing piece and then kind of transition into book marketing launch, using the book to, to build your company, all those things. I want to talk for a second about the co-author process. Um, I think it's one of the hardest things to do from a book writing perspective. And, and in my opinion, there's not much harder than writing a book with someone else. I always say it's kind of like having two, it's, it's almost like trying to paint a painting and then having two hands on the paintbrush. Like it's, it's really difficult. So can, can you walk through kind of like pros, cons? How did you navigate that process? How did you do it well? And maybe even more importantly, like the end product that doesn't feel jumpy, you know, like sometimes when you have, I feel like a, a, a co-authored book, especially if it's split in chapters, it can feel like you're jumping and there's no kind of cohesive narrative. So how'd you do that? Well, what were pros and cons lessons learned? There's no question that's a challenge. Uh, you know, the good news is Jocko and I've worked together uh, extremely closely since 2005. Uh, he, you know, we've, we've edited each other's other, everything from award citations to, uh, you know, uh, fitness reports and evaluations of, of our, our team. So we, we've worked on a lot of things together. Um, and, you know, I always seek Jocko's guidance on things. He'd reach out to me and seek guidance on things. So, you know, we, we kind of, we already had that process in place. I, I, the, the biggest detriment to uh, working with a co-author is the biggest detriment to leadership and working with a team, anything that you're trying to do in the world. And that's ego. 
if you let your ego get in the way, oh, I'm a better writer, or I'm doing this, or I'm doing that. You know, I think what, what enabled me and Jocko to work together well on this was simply the fact that, uh, that it's, it was about the mission. It was about writing something that was clear. You know, if, if, he, if he was gonna get upset, if I like recommended an edit or made some changes to it, then, uh, you know, then, then that would be a problem. Or if, he, if he made some changes to what I was writing or, or, or if, if, we, uh, if I got upset, like, oh, he thinks he's Bill Shakespeare, he's trying to look over my shoulder and fix these things, then you're not, you're not gonna be able to get along. You're not gonna be able to make that process work. You know, the goal is when you have someone who's just wants to deliver a good product, wants to make it clear. And, you know, again, I, th I think you can't, you can't do enough of that. I, I really like the process of having someone who can, who's going to go through that in detail and edit it, you know, and, and we spent a lot of time on the phone together. We spent a lot of time with, you know, just, just a word document with, with, with the, uh, you know, you turn on the track changes on and you can see the changes that are being made, um, you know, in, in real time on the manuscript. And uh, there's, there's a lot of challenges to go in that because I was, I was on the East Coast in New York City at the time and Jocko was on the West Coast in San Diego at the time. You know, so we got different time zones. We're, we're trying to do this in different, different locations. Um, we did get together at some points and go through a few things, but it also required, I mean, we did, we had, you know, hour and a half, two and a half hour, three and a half. I, I think our longest phone call running through uh, changes and edits for the manuscript was uh, over five hours long. So, you know, just that's, that's what we had to do in order to put in the time and effort to make that work. Uh, but really, it's just about putting your ego on check and saying, okay, how do we deliver a good product? I think the, the track changes was important because, you know, I'm not just making changes to Jock. I, I might say, hey, it would be a little more clear if we, if we said it this way, but I want to keep his voice in that. And the same thing, if he's editing, you know, one of my chapters, it, it's, you know, hey, you might want to say it this way, or this might be a little clearer here, or hey, we should research that. A, a little more. Uh, so it's always just good to have a second set of eyes or, Hey, you know what? Uh, this could be taken out of context here. If we're, we're just describing one of the units we worked alongside, you know, we want to make sure that I think that's, that happens a lot of times where people will read, it, it says maybe something they don't mean uh, about somebody else. And people take offense to that. And you know, that's where you, you fully realize that the, the pen is mightier than the sword when you've got, you know, someone reads something and is like, I, I can't believe you wrote that in there. Or, you know, that's an inaccurate description of what happened or our, our unit. So it's really important to actually have multiple eyes on those things, you know, reading it. But it's all about just putting your ego in check, seeking feedback from others and realizing, okay, I want to keep my voice and keep my authentic voice. So, you know, I can't, I don't, I'm not going to have Jocko write the chapter for me, uh, but, but I want him to, to edit it. I want him to actually look over it. I want him to make sure that what I'm saying is clear, that the point and, and description is clear. And, and, and at the end, my goal is a, is, is, is a, is a well-written book that's easy to understand, that people can apply to, to their world so that they can lead and win. And, that, and that's, that was the goal for us. We shared that goal. And so, you know, we weren't, weren't going to let our egos get in the way of, of impeding that. Hey, Chandler Bolt here. I hope you're loving this episode so far. It's time to go from inspiration to implementation. All right, so if you've learned something, we want to help you implement what you've learned with your book. So what I want you to do right now is go to selfpublishing.com forward slash schedule, book a publishing consultation with one of the experts on my team. We'll talk about your goals for your book, your dreams, your challenges, your next steps, and we'll start putting together a plan. All right, so go to selfpublishing.com forward slash schedule, book a call with the team. Let's see how we can help with your book. It's time to implement. Um, so let's just shift gears a little bit to kind of the, the marketing business growth side of things. You said you did a, a small print run. A publisher probably didn't think it was going to do that well. Walk me through like how, how long did it take until the book really took off? And what were some of the things that you guys did from a marketing perspective to, to, to really help from a launch perspective, from a marketing perspective to, to really make that book go? Well, the, the initial print run, so we, you know, we had a very small advance for, for, uh, you know, for extreme ownership, which at the time we thought was like, Oh, cool. We're getting an advance. Um, it, you know, it was, it was absolutely minimal, um, you know, compared to kind of what, what, what we know now, but you know, the, the reality is it was, we had had a publisher who believed in the, the mission, the, the president of, uh, of, of, of St. Martin's Press, uh, Sally Richardson had come down for the meeting 
and, and been there uh, with, with our editor there, Mark, Mark Resnick, and, and their whole team you know, from St. Mark's Press was there. Uh, they were believers in this book, so gave us a chance, and, and we were stoked to, uh, to, to be a part of it. I was there in person. Jocko had called in because he was, he was traveling at the time. Uh, but from the beginning, you know, they were believers in the book. You know, what I realize now, though, is I think the initial print run was, you know, I think less than maybe 5,000 copies. Initially, they bumped it up to 10,000 copies. So, uh, which for them, that was, that was extremely small. It wasn't going to be, you know, it, when I look at the original paper that it's printed on, you can barely even see like the photos at each of the chapters. You can barely even see them. They're super grainy, uh, just very poor quality paper. If you've got one of those first editions out there of extreme ownership, it's, uh, it's kind of a rarity now. But uh, we had some extraordinary support uh, through Fox News. Um, my wife worked at Fox at the time, and I had a, uh, a great relationship with uh, the, uh, the, the chairman and CEO, Roger Ailes, who uh, was a fantastic guy and a real believer in, in the book. And, and they gave us just an incredible rollout. I mean, we, we, we had a rollout for extreme ownership that was just completely unprecedented, I think, for even personalities at Fox News. Um, Bill O'Reilly was not too happy for us being on a show at the time, I think, because we'd already been on, on uh, Hannity's show. And so there's, a, there's conflict there. You know, they don't want to, a guest on one show doesn't get to be on another show. And when the boss says do it, uh, they got to do it. So, you know, we, we, we had an incredible role out there. Uh, and very quickly, um, I, I, th I think as, as we had a meeting, St. Martin Express realized they needed to bump that thing up uh, to, you know, we started getting into the tens of thousands and hundreds of thousands of copies. You know, as as, uh, as people were were uh, were buying the book, um, I think what's what's been you know we also we had a lot of great uh, support too from uh, Don Imus for Imus in the Morning program as well was a huge believer in the book and uh, and and promoted it all the time even when I wasn't a guest on his program which I was with some frequency but I'd hear about him promoting it you know on the on his radio program uh, even without that so uh, you know just just people who 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 were good folks who believed in the book, who saw the, the need for the message, you know, to be, be spread across America and around the world. And, uh, and, and that, you know, those relationships that uh, we were able to build and, and have a friendship with, uh, with folks who, who could really help in that regard. And why do you think, uh, like, why do you think they resonated with it so much and, and got behind it so heavily? I know you said Roger was a believer in the book. Uh, but but like wh why and 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 had he read an advanced copy like how did you get the first set was it that the segments were going well like why did they really get behind this so much and then uh, if you were to have like kind of a pie chart of those early months of sales like uh, what what part of the pie chart would you say was publicity versus some of the other things that you were doing from a launch perspective yeah, I, I gave uh, I, I gave Mr. Ailes a, a copy of the uh, the manuscript uh, before it was even published. I wanted to seek his his opinion on it, and I, I gave several copies to a lot of people, you know, try to seek their their opinion on it as well. Um, I think again, that's important. I mean, people don't want to do that as authors. You get a little scared of what people are going to say. Some people are not going to like what you publish. That's okay. Some people are going to have some some uh, you know some, some feedback uh, that that you may not want to hear, or, or you know, sometimes you may have to you've got to take the feedback with a grain of salt because it's interesting. Some people would say, Hey, decentralized command is kind of your weaker, weaker chapter. You may want to think about rewriting that. And then I, I have somebody else. I mean, someone I respected would say that, then I give it to someone else who I also respect. And they'd say, decentralized command is the best chapter, you know, the whole book. I really love that. It really resonated with me. So you, you have to kind of discern, you know, what that feedback is going to be. Um, you know, to, to your question about whether or not, uh, you know, Mark is market, marketing and publicity. The reality is you can write an amazing book that's an incredible book that impacts people that people love. And if nobody knows about it, you're not going to sell any copies. So you've got to have the publicity, you know, and, and marketing there to, to get the message out there. Uh, there's no question about that. On the other hand, the reverse is also true. Whereas you can write a, just a garbage book, use a ghostwriter, don't really put any time and effort in there. Don't, don't really write from the heart. Um, you know, I think if anything, what, what's made extreme ownership valuable, that book was hard to write. We're talking about mistakes that we made where, where, you know, that were lives were lost on the battlefield. I mean, that very first chapter of extreme ownership, people, uh, you know, Jocko didn't even want to write that chapter about the big blue on blue, this, this, this friendly fire incident that happened to us. And Jocko was like, I don't know if you should put that in there. That's kind of hard to explain. And the reason is it's hard to talk about. It's a big black eye for us. And the book would not be the same if we didn't open it up 
with this, this example of a horrible thing that happened to us and how, uh, you know, uh, Jocko stood up in front of the entire task and, and took ownership of that and how we implemented lessons learned going forward to make sure that nothing like that ever happened again and the, the impact that it had to our mission uh, and how many more lives we brought home safe as a result of that. So we had to do that. And I encouraged him to do that and he bought off on it and, and, and we made it happen. So, uh, but that's, so, so to, to my point, you can, you can not put a lot of time and effort, not do a, a great book. You, you could, you could be on television with Oprah and, and who's holding up your book and get the most, you know, gigantic uh, media rollout you could ever imagine. And, uh, and, and you're not going to sell books if it's not a good book. You know, there might be an initial spike when people go check it out, but that's going to go away. So what has driven extreme ownership and what I'm so proud about is we got an awesome media rollout initially uh, in a way that was totally unprecedented, but that the sales have continued uh, and has continued to sell well because people buy five copies for their friends, you know, or buy 10 copies for their teams or new employees. They're joining the team, just like you mentioned, Chandler. And, and the book continues to sell because of that. And so I think you've got to do both. You, you, you can't have one without the other. And one thing I will say too, on the publicity side is, you know, uh, there, there's, they've got a great team at St. Martin's Press and McMillan that helped us out, you know, uh, publicity wise. Um, however, you know, I, I will say from, from a publicity standpoint, you have to look at like, I, I think often people are saying like, hey, we booked so many radio shows, or we booked so many TV shows, or we've got so many print publications writing an article. Those things are not at all equal, right? You might, you might, have, a, you might have a local broadcast with, you know, a few thousand people watching it versus being on Fox and Friends in the morning with, you know, three and a half million people watching you. So those are very different things. Uh, they are not at all equal. And so I think what you have to do is try to build relationships, try to reach out, tie your story into a news hook, that, uh, that can actually get it out there. Uh, and then you also have to be good on television. You have to make sure that you're, you're a good interview. And you know, that takes preparation, that takes rehearsal, that takes uh, you know, understanding that be, be succinct in your answers, which is very hard. It's very hard to take and talk about a complex subject and cut that answer down to a 30 second, 45 second spot you know, for, for television. So that's something you have to practice. And the better you are on that, uh, the, the more you're gonna get asked back to be on other television shows to promote your book. And, uh, and and get the message out. That's great. And it sounds so. It sounds like you guys use publicity and targeted publicity um, to to really early on get momentum with the book. And it sounds like the book started taking off relatively quickly. At what point did you start seeing this make an impact from a business perspective? And what did that impact look like? I know we always talk about kind of three buckets of like using a book to drive lead sales and referrals, but the, the, there's all these other things, right? Where it. it it leads into the speaking side of your business. It leads into increasing average order values and being able to charge more and build out a team, like an instructor team and a speaking team. And I just see all the different ways that you guys have done this, like, or in the business has grown from this book. At what point did you start seeing a meaningful uptick in business? And, and what does that look like? Almost immediately, really. And we were, I mean, our business was growing rapidly. Uh, we, we'd already, you know, we, we'd already been up and running for three years at that point when, uh, when Extreme Ownership was published. I think, I think what Extreme Ownership did for us is beforehand, I would get a lot of people who would say, oh, okay, well, you learned some SEAL, uh, you were a Navy SEAL, okay, you were, had some combat experiences and you have some leadership lessons learned. Well, tell me how you're going to translate that to, to, to my business. And a lot of people just had this misconception about, about the SEAL teams, whether they think everybody in the SEAL teams is this ultra-disciplined Terminator robot that never questions the mission, does everything they're supposed to do all the time. Obviously, that's not true. I mean, SEALs are extraordinary people with talent, you know, tremendous talents and capabilities. But look, every, every team you're on is a bell curve, right? you got some awesome people at the top that are kind of pushing the team, driving success. you got most folks in the middle that are pretty good but need some, some, some oversight and direction. you got some people at the bottom that pretty much suck and shouldn't be there. Uh, every SEAL platoon, every SEAL task is just like every team that's out there. It doesn't matter whether you're talking about a professional sports team or a business team of any kind, any organization. That's what you got to deal with. So once, people, once the book was out there and people could read that, and realize, hey, my team's not working together. You know, I've got these two departments in the team and they're actually just in conflict with one another or these two leaders are trying to sabotage each other. They need to understand this concept of cover and move. Or I've got a bunch of people making excuses. I need to bring in this concept of extreme ownership so that we can actually get these problems solved and move forward. Uh, that's what we need. So, so once, we, once they understood that, 
I never, I don't have people saying, Hey, how are you going to translate this uh, to my business anymore? So, you know, that, that definitely, uh, that definitely took off for our business. And, and even though we were already on some significant upward mobility and enabled us to, to grow uh, significantly more and just expand the business, you know, and look, there's, there's certainly value in uh, at least there was a few years ago in, uh, in being a New York times bestselling author. I mean, that gives you some, uh, a little bit more uh, of a resume boost as far as speaker goes. I don't know how valuable that is today. Um, you know, to be honest, uh, I, I think it's a lot more important to be a number one Amazon uh, author than it is uh, number one New York Times bestseller. That's uh, that's kind of where, where my current feeling these days. Cool, and I and I agree. What so what have you guys seen? Like, what percentage? Of, I know this is like it's probably hard to hard to put your finger on, but like. What percentage of your growth today would you see? Over, would you say over the last few years uh, is because of the book? And like, what are some X's and O's like ways that you've seen that kind of play out? And really, I kind of want to get into a little bit like, how does someone go from reading the book and then uh, and then ultimately doing business with you guys? Because I feel like you did a good job of that. Where some some books can just be very heavy and like work with us work with us oh by the way did you know we do that like all that but it was it was it was very much sprinkled throughout so i think it was embedded in a in a healthy way but can you walk through kind of some of those x's and x's and those implications from business perspective well one of the things that we don't do chandler is uh, we don't give sales pitches i mean i i i you know, I'm constantly getting solicited for business, just as I'm sure are you and everybody else, you know, that, that, that listens to this. It's just a constant thing, whether it's via email, whether it's the solicitation phone calls or even text messages, you know, these days, uh, LinkedIn, you know, whatever it may be, people are just constantly trying to solicit business, sell you, pitch you on something. And, you know, the reality is, I mean, we mentioned, we mentioned our company Echelon Fund a few times in the book, but there's, there's, there's not a, Hey, if you want to come work with us, hire us, uh, come, come do this. Uh, I, I'm, I'm viewing the post of that. Uh, and frankly, I'm not trying to sell you anything. If you, if you read the book and realize that uh, we can bring some value to, to the table, uh, then reach out to us, our company Echelon Fund, and we'll come work with you. Uh, that's, you know, that's how it is for us. So I, I think there's, there's too much of that. There's too much over the top for that. We don't do a lot of that. Uh, I think you got to be real cautious about that. Obviously, you know, you, you don't, it's not that you don't want to mention your business. Uh, but I think if, if you're, if the purpose of your book is to boost uh, your, your business, I, I think you're gonna have a hard time writing a successful book. That, that's just, that's just my, my opinion. Um, our book was the, the, the mission of, of extreme ownership. The purpose of that book, uh, just like the dichotomy leadership and the books Jocko has written is to, is to impact leaders, help leaders lead better, be more effective so that they can lead and win on whatever battlefield they, they happen to be on, you know, it, both, both personally or professionally in business or life. So that's the goal. And, uh, you know, I, I think, uh, obviously what we do at Echelon Front is help leaders understand how to apply that in their world. But uh, the goal of that was not to like, oh, let's write a book to boost our business. Uh, we wanted to write a good book. And I think if you write a good book, that's going to impact people. Then that book's going to continue to sell, which will then promote your business. Um, yeah. So I, I think, I think it's, uh, it's pretty hard to do. Have we had the purpose in mind of just simply trying to promote our business? Uh, I, I think Extreme Ownership might have sold a few copies and then just kind of disappeared. For sure, because it stands alone, which I'm sure since then kind of one of the because you did write it with that in mind. Like I, I've seen this play out for self-publishing school, but for, for a lot of other people too, it's like how valuable it is from a, from a true onboarding perspective. Like I would imagine like that's, that's almost part of an onboarding new customers or whatever process, or if they read that, like it's just, it's laying the foundation so that then moving forward, it makes it so much easier to work together. Um, and, and they know expectations, they know kind of overarching concepts and stuff like that. So it just makes it even more impactful as they implement that uh, in their companies. Can you talk, we're, we're kind of in the home stretch here. Can you talk to me about, did you guys always plan to do the dichotomy of leadership? Was that, uh, you know, kind of a popular chapter that people kept asking about that we, you said, hey, maybe we should do a whole book on that or how'd that come about? No, just with the success of extreme ownership, we had a lot of people say, hey, when's your next book coming out? When are you and Jocko going to write a follow-on book? And it was, you know, I mean, Jocko had launched the Jocko podcast. Uh, we, we published Extreme Ownership in October. I think Jocko podcast launched in the December of 2015. So just shortly after that. And, you know, 
that's, that's something that's been impactful for leaders. That's been a huge, huge marketing uh, piece for extreme ownership um, as well. Uh, and we had a lot of, we had a lot of folks that, uh, you know, were asking us for that, but we always said we're, we're going to write a book when we see the need uh, to, to write a book to answer the mail for that. And I had a, you know, we saw a lot of leaders struggling with this concept of a dichotomy uh, that they had to find balance between these two opposing forces. And I had a very close friend of mine who's a highly successful business leader in uh, the financial world. And uh, he, he said, you know what? He's like, the hardest part of this is, is chapter 12, the economy of leadership, uh, chapter 12 of extreme ownership. He's like, you guys should consider writing that book. Uh, you should consider writing about uh, the economy of leadership and just expanding on that concept. And initially I was like, oh, I appreciate the insight. I love this guy. He's, he's a great, you know, he's, he's a great mentor and friend. Uh, and, he, and he's helped guide me in a lot of, a lot of great decisions, including organization of the book, uh, Extreme Ownership, and, and, and making sure that we kind of broke that up into the, you know, combat, uh, combat example, business uh, uh, principle, and then business application. Uh, so so I, I trusted his opinion, but I wasn't quite sure about that. And then life kind of just uh, supported his, uh, his, his hypothesis there uh, or his recommendation because as we were working with leaders, I would see people who were totally bought in with extreme ownership. You know, we got to be default aggressive. We got to make things happen. And they're getting too aggressive and they're stepping on people's toes and they're not doing their proper research and they're getting too out, far out ahead of their team and it's actually causing problems. Or they're trying to cover and move so much for somebody else on the team that there's, you know, they're creating frictional relationships because that person's offended that they're stepping in to try to do their job, you know, or they're taking so much ownership of everything that their team's just standing around and waiting to be told what to do because, hey, well, the boss owns everything, okay? Solve the problems. Check, boss, tell me what you want, want to do instead of people actually taking ownership at every level of the team. So we realized that we've actually got to write this book. Uh, we got we got to expand on this concept of, 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 of that dichotomy of leadership so that people understand that even though the title is extreme ownership, you know, rarely uh, is, are the extremes what's required for leadership. You need to find the balance between these two opposing forces, these two uh, opposing forces. And ironically, you know, we put a black and white on the cover of the economy of leadership. The reason we did that is because leadership isn't black and white. It's, there's a lot of gray and, and you got to find the difference between these two opposing forces and find the medium. And oftentimes you realize you toggle too far in one direction and then you overcorrect, you know, and then, and then you, let's, let's say you're, you're too, you know, when uh, you got to detach, leaders get too far down on the details so that they have a hard time uh, seeing the bigger strategic picture. You're not advancing the, the, the strategic mission. Uh, you're having a hard time prioritizing execute, so you got to detach. So now they realize they got to detach. And then you, and then that leader pulls too far out of the details. The team's got it. Now the team's going in different directions. They don't have the support they need. Maybe they're getting off on a tangent and kind of losing focus on what they should, they should really be tracking on. So it's finding that balance between, you know, being detached, but not too detached. Uh, and just, just one small example of that. So we, we knew we had to write that book and that's why dichotomy was, uh, it was, was the follow on that we wrote together. That's great. Uh, do you, do you have plans for the next book? Is the next book in the works or is it uh, not for a while? Look, I think when we see the need, we're always, we're looking for what the need is. You know, Jocko wrote uh, leadership strategy and tactics that came out earlier this year, I think was, which is a great uh, compliment to both extreme ownership and dichotomy leadership about uh, just about the, the tactical things that you can do as a leader, at whatever level, you know, senior leader down to the front line, trooper just in charge of themselves and their piece of the mission to apply these things uh, at a very tactical level. You know, what, what are some actual steps that you can take? Uh, so I think that's, that's a great book that kind of, uh, you know, kind of balances that and, and complements those other books. We'll, we'll write the book, you know, the next book when we see the need to, to write that book. Uh, and, uh, you know, we're always looking for that. We're working with leaders all the time and, and seeing what they need. Uh, but the goal is to write a useful book so that we can actually help, you know, uh, help, uh, help, help people and impact their lives. I, I will say this, Chandler, one thing we didn't do a good enough job of and that kind of leadership has been a highly successful book. It was a number two New York Times bestseller. You know, we, we've sold uh, tons of copies of that thing. It, it, it's beat out some really high profile leaders that have written books, um, you know, and, and continues to sell, sell well in that regard. But it pales in comparison to the success of extreme ownership. And one of the things that, that always catches me off guard is for every, you know, person that comes up to me and says, 
man, I really love that kind of leadership. It really helped me understand these concepts. And I found it to be even more valuable than extreme ownership, which I hear that a lot from people when they tell me about dichotomy. But pr probably for every one person that tells me about that, for, about that economy, there's probably four or five people that come up to me and say, hey, when are you and Jocko going to write a follow-on book to extreme ownership? So they don't even know. Oh, they don't even know what's out there. Interesting. Yeah. And, and it's, it's a fascinating thing. And it, it really, you know, from an extreme ownership perspective, we haven't done a good enough job of talking about it, of posting about it, of getting yeah. the message out there that, that there's another book to, that, can, that complements extreme ownership that can hmm. be very helpful uh, to, to leaders and uh, in, in any situation, you know, to help them find the balance between these yeah. so that they can be most effective. And, and so that's something that, you know, I think it's easy to take that for granted when a, when a book is successful as extreme ownership sure, yeah, is published yeah. and continues to, you know, to be successful. Everyone's paying attention. They'll know when the next book's exactly. coming out. So all that, yeah. We get so focused on our own world, like, Oh, well, people are following me and they saw my post or they're listening to Jocko podcast or they heard him mention that. And, and that may not necessarily be the case. I mean, we've, we're, we're, we're just uh, at the two and a half million copies sold of extreme ownership right now. And uh, you know, as, as of, as of this, uh, this podcast here, uh, we're rapidly approaching that number. And yet, you know, it's a, it's a tiny fraction of people who, who actually know of that comedy leadership. So we got to do a better job of getting the word out there. And I, get, I think that's another uh, example of what I was talking about before. You can write a great book, but if people don't know about it, you've got to have that marketing strategy. You've got to have that, the, the, the publicity for it. And uh, there's a lot more we could have done, I think, to do a better job of pushing that comedy leadership that we need to continue to, to do going forward. Man, those are great takeaways. And it's just so applicable to any creative endeavor my brother's a grammy nominated uh musician and it's just like the same thing for their follow-on albums right it's like you just assume oh well the fans know that this album's coming it's going to get released on spotify and everywhere else and then they'll get notifications and whatever but if you don't really push that then you, then you're getting drop off from 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 one big book to the next from one album to the next um, things like that. There's so, no question about that, Chandler. And and this is the this is what extreme ownership means. Like if you don't do it, nobody's going to do it. You know, it's, it's the biggest thing that we talk about. We talk about extreme ownership. It's all up to you. If you're going to lean on a publicity team, you know, if you're going to lean on somebody else to do it for you, and oh, they've got the they've got the plan in mind. Um, it's great to have help, and that's awesome. And lean on people with expertise, but uh, you got to take it on yourself to actually promote that effort. You know, you're putting in all the time and effort to write a book or write a song, whatever it may be get out there, take ownership of that effort to, to publicize it, market it, uh, and let everybody know. And you can't do enough of that. 100%. That's, that's a great place. That's a very fitting place to wrap up the conversation. Uh, and I'll ask a kind of final question here. Knowing what you know now, two books in, and, and so you already touched on this a little bit. You said, hey, here are the mistakes we made um, from a dichotomy of leadership perspective and, and what you do differently. But knowing what you know now, if there's, you know, to the other lives that are out there, Pre-book number one, they're thinking about going through and about to write and publish their first book. And what would, what would be your advice um, to those folks? My advice is, you know, if, if you've got a story that needs to be told, if you've got a story that can impact people, you know, for good, um, then uh, be confident in that story. Be confident in the story. Um, and, and, you know, even if you've got people telling you that not to, you know, don't worry, or you're not good enough to write this thing, or you're not a good enough writer, you got to work with somebody else or, or, uh, you know, are this, this isn't the time for this book. You know, if you believe in what you're doing, then, then you got to drive forth with confidence to, to make that happen. Conversely, you also have to be open to criticism. You, you have to be willing to accept, uh, the, the, the edits and the impact, uh, you know, from, from people get the message to folks, get out, uh, draft copies of, of manuscripts at the earliest stage take people's feedback and take it on board and be willing to take notes and make changes and, and make things more clear. Um, I, I think the biggest difference that I would do, the biggest difference between me today versus me pre uh, extreme ownership is I wouldn't try to write so carefully thinking that like, Oh, I've got to put this chapter down and that's going to be it. Because the reality is, as I said before, you're going to, you're going to have a thousand different versions of that, that you, you, uh, you go through and you edit to that by the time you, you, you publish it. So um, you got to be willing to put in that work and effort, uh, seek feedback from people, uh, but don't get so caught up on, on, you know, on the, like, I've got to get it perfect the first time because it won't be. Uh, and that's totally okay. It's no factor. Uh, just be willing and open to criticisms and, uh, and be willing to actually take the hard look in the mirror at yourself uh, so that you can constantly improve and make changes to get something that's, that's a useful product that impacts your readers. 
So great. And uh, the, the dichotomy of book publishing, <laughs> be confident enough to write it and open it enough to get feedback. Uh, really great uh, kind of final takeaway there. Uh, Leif, this has been great, man. Uh, really, really enjoyed this conversation. Uh, where can people go uh, to get your books, to find more, uh, more out, uh, to find out more about kind of what you're up to, Echelon Front, all that good stuff. Yeah, you, you can you can buy our books anywhere uh, anywhere books are sold. You know, Amazon or Barnes and Noble or any any bookstore for extremeleadership.com and leadership, uh, or any of Jocko's books that he's published. Uh, if you want to see what we got going on, uh, echelonfront.com is is uh, is our company, and uh, we actually have a virtual training platform now called EF Online mm -hmm. that you can get to efonline.com that uh, we're really excited about. We've got people from 33 different countries around the world on that thing right now. Uh, just dive into the principles of extreme ownership uh, in some detail. Uh, we, we do live Zoom calls with leaders on that, uh, you know, multiple calls each week. There's some foundational course on there. There's some, there's some great kind of short videos that, uh, that can get your mind primed to lead. Uh, we're super excited about that program. So come check us out That's at echelonphone.com awesome. or efonline.com. That's awesome. Amazing. Leif, thanks again. Hey guys, buy the book, read the book. <laughs> uh, I, I don't, I don't very often heavily as heavily as probably this interview recommend a book, uh, but it's literally top 10 books of all time for me, top five leadership books of all time for me. Um, I, I, it's changed my life as a leader and uh, I have you to thank uh, for that. So uh, thank you for your service and thank you for, for writing just an amazing book that's impacted my, not only my life, but just the lives of, uh, of leaders everywhere. Thank you, Chandler. Appreciate, Appreciate that. It. it means a lot. That's awesome feedback. Thank you so much for watching or listening to this episode of the Self-Publishing School Podcast. I know there's so many places that you can be spending your time. There's other podcasts that you can be listening to, YouTube channels that you can be watching. Uh, so thank you so much. It means the world. Now, I want you to do three things right now if you found this episode. All right, number one, I don't know if you know this, but we've got a YouTube channel. It's a companion channel to this podcast. All the video versions of the episode are on the YouTube channel. So number one, subscribe to the YouTube channel. Number two, if you're listening to this podcast, wherever, whether this is Spotify, Apple Podcasts, number two, I want you to subscribe to this podcast right now so you don't miss a future episode. Uh, and then number three, this is probably the most important, uh, leave a review on the podcast. All right, reviews are super important and help the podcast get discovered by other people. Uh, so number three, leave a review on the podcast. Thank you so much. I'll see you in the next episode. If you're on the fence about scheduling a publishing consultation call with my team, maybe you're not quite ready uh, for that, I've got some free training that I think will be really helpful for you. All right, all you have to do is go to register to sign up. Go to selfpublishing.com forward slash free training. When you do, you're also going to get a free digital copy of my new book, Published. And on that training, you're going to learn the next step, so how to implement with your book. So how to write, how to publish, how to launch successfully. So go to register right now at selfpublishing.com forward slash free training. I'll see you there.